There is very little substitute for doing mini pupillages. That is the way to find out about life at the bar. I'm Beatrice Collier. And I'm Georgina Wolfe. And this is the Pupillage Podcast brought to you by Middle Temple and us, your hosts. It's a podcast for anyone considering a career as a barrister, from students at school, university or on the law conversion or bar course. It's for those contemplating a career change later in life and wondering what it might entail. And it's for the army of pupillage applicants out there, from those applying for pupillage for the first time to the battle-weary, giving it just one last go. We know that at times the search for pupillage can seem daunting, so in each episode we talk to junior barristers, fresh from their own pupillages, members of pupillage committees, senior barristers, QCs, judges, masters of the bench and lots of other guests and ask them for their advice, what to do, what to avoid and how to succeed. George, in this episode we're going to talk about mini pupillages. I'm particularly excited about this episode because mini pupillages are vital for aspiring barristers and so valuable in so many ways. Yes, they're a precious opportunity to see for yourself what a particular set of chambers is like from the inside, a peek behind the website if you like. We found out how you can use your mini to help you choose your area of law and the chambers that you'd like to apply to. We also give you some tips on how to get the most out of your mini and how best to impress. One of the challenges for those seeking pupillage is that you will hear lots of advice that's often contradictory. The barristers reading application forms or asking questions in interviews are all individuals and have their own unique points of view. Every set is different and what is perfect advice for one set won't work for another. Yes, I think that the only thing all of our guests agree on is doing lots of research and the value of working for the free representation unit. Ultimately, you need to gather as much advice as you can and then use your judgment to work out what to disregard and which suggestions to follow to the letter. Even across the guests we spoke to, we had lots of differing points of view. The best example of this, I think, is probably the answer to the question that almost all pupillage seekers will ask themselves at some point. How many minis should I do and how many of them should I put down on my applications? This is something that we asked lots of our guests. Do you think there's a magic number of mini pupillages? That's the the million dollar question, and I imagine there'll be three different views in this um, in this discussion group. There's a difference between how many minis should you do and how many you should put on the form. In an ideal world, you have as many mini pupillages as you can possibly lay your hands on, so you can actually get a sense of what the place is actually like. I think you have to think about your own situation first first up and what you can afford and, and what your situation is in terms of taking time out. A raw number is, I think, irrelevant. Um, I sort of tend to say to people, you need about two or I three. I think probably when it gets beyond... 10 mini pupillages, we start to seriously consider what these people are doing in their summer holidays. I think that there is an ideal range. I think it would be useful, if you can, to do about three. Do you think there's a magic number of mini pupillages that you should do? No, I see everything from one to those going into double figures. So, no, there is no magic number. Um, If you can do more, then that's great. But I think one or two is probably not enough. Three, I think, will give you a better idea. Resist the temptation just to do them all in one practice area. Try and spread yourself out a bit um, so that you can see different areas of law. 
Do you think there's a magic number of mini pupillages that students should do? No. <laughs> I, I, but I mean, I, the, my trouble is. I, Welcome, Cathy McGarry, to the Pupillage Podcast. Thank you. Could you tell our listeners who you are and what you do, please? Um, my name's Cathy McGarry. I'm a public lawyer. I specialise in national security, immigration, uh, judicial review, inquests, public inquiries. Now, our listeners will be anxious to find out as much as they can about mini-pupillages. Can we start right at the very beginning? What, in the very basic terms, is a mini-pupillage? Essentially, it's work experience, usually over a period of between three and five days, in which either a school student or university student spends time with a number of barristers in chambers. Many of our listeners may think that they already know all about the bar and they've already got some experience and may think, well, do I really need to bother, particularly those who might have already spent some time talking to barristers? Do you think that people really need to do many pupillages? I think they do. I think... It is an immensely competitive world. To get pupillage itself is extremely difficult and chambers always want to see that the would-be pupil has done a good deal of research into into the career. And mini-pupillages are probably the best way of doing that. Yes, of course, you can go on court visits, you can marshal with a judge if you're lucky enough to get a marshalling place, you can talk to barristers if you happen to know any. And they're all good things, and because many pupillages are themselves hard to get, they are things that you may have to do anyway in substitution for at least some many pupillages. But if you can get, ideally, I would say two or three at a minimum of many pupillages, it shows that you've put the effort into researching the, the career, and it also enables you at pupillage interviews to explain what it is you've liked about what you've seen, indeed what you've, you haven't liked about what you've seen. It shows an interest in the job. So you've convinced our listeners they're now keen to do a mini-pupillage. Is it easy to get a mini-pupillage? No, sadly it isn't. The competition is fierce, certainly to the extent that my chambers, I think, in common with many others, no longer take school students. We just don't have the space. And mini-pupillages in my set are restricted to three days so that we can give mini-pupillages to as many people as possible. And how do people apply for mini-pupillages? I think it varies from set to set. So what I'd advise students to do is go onto the websites of the chambers in which they're interested and look at the procedures that each set has. Many do have deadlines and book up to a year ahead, as we do. So it's not a good idea to send off a speculative letter or make a phone call asking for a mini-pupillage? Not really. It's likely to end up with an awful lot of wasted effort that way. So our listener has managed to bag herself a mini pupillage and really wants to be able to make the most of it. What advice do you have for students doing undertaking mini pupillages on how to impress and what not to do? Turn up on time, but not hideously early. Because it's actually often quite difficult for chambers to find barristers who have suitable things for many pupils to see and it's a nightmare for us when we tell a mini pupil please arrive at 10 and James will take you to court to find the mini pupil sitting looking keen in the waiting room at half past eight because we know that he or she is going to be bored to tears we will feel dreadful about it he or she will get a dreadful impression of us and it's all because many people wanted to impress from your experience of taking mini pupils what what sort of things do you find really helpful in um, in your mini pupil? Keeping quiet in front of clients because they can embarrass barristers so much. It's odd. And most mini pupils are absolutely great. 
they're fine, they're fun to be with, they're lovely, but every now and again, you'll have one who wants to tell the client that you're wrong. I don't really mind them telling me privately afterwards that they think I'm wrong, but I have had one who, after I had said something to a client, turned to me and said, I think you'll find you're wrong about that. <gasps> Which was one of most, my most embarrassing moments ever in practice. What did you say to that many people when the clients had left the room? I passed him on to somebody else. <laughs> Is there anything that particularly impresses you in a mini-pupil? Yes, and I think it's evidence that that mini-pupil has researched the job in advance. Not necessarily our chambers, although it's very impressive when they have, and sometimes they have. Sometimes they know more about me than I can remember about my practice. But it is, it's encouraging to know that the mini-pupil has thought at length about the career and is doing this mini-pupilage as part of a package of finding out more about the career, it is disheartening when you find it's totally speculative because in those circumstances, the chances are actually that the mini-pupil won't get as much out of the mini-pupilage as he or she could. Yeah. So your mini-pupil has had a fantastic week or three days, loved every minute, definitely going to apply for pupilage in your chambers. What should they do next? It's always a good idea to keep in touch just an email saying, thanks very much, I had a terrific week, or um, do let me know how that case that I saw on Tuesday finishes, something like that, just to show a sustained interest. Nothing may come of it, but I think Chambers appreciate it. And certainly when you apply to the set for pupillage, you should emphasise on your application form the mini pupillage that you did and the things you learnt from it. So it might be a good idea to make to jot down some notes about the sorts of things that you saw because a year might go past between that mini pupillage and your application, so it's a good idea to write a little aid memoir. Yes, definitely. It's also a very, very good idea to put absolutely nothing on social media about what you learned in confidence during your time in Chambers because that has happened. Gosh, that's very good advice. Thank you, Cathy McGay. Julia Horner, Chambers Director of Blackstone Chambers, speaks to us later in the series about practice areas. But here, she gave us some brief insights into mini pupillages. Julia, mini pupillages are absolutely vital so that you have an opportunity to observe for yourself the lifestyle of, for example, a, a public law practitioner or an employment practitioner or whatever it may be. Yes, I think applying for mini pupillages across a broad range, whether you actually think that that is ultimately where you're going to be or not, and it's very difficult to know, is the best way of uh, experiencing, tasting different practice areas you don't need to be there for very long uh, if there are unassessed mini pupillage which probably they will be in the early days there is actually very little perhaps that you can do apart from observe and you may well be sitting in the corner of a room being asked to read papers and just watch or go to court and just watch some sets and, and some individual practitioners may be able to give you the time to ask you to do a bit of research for them to comment on papers but that will vary hugely however you should be given the opportunity to ask questions so questions about what the individual's doing what other sets in their particular area of specialism might be doing and without being a pain to the person you're sitting with nevertheless that's your opportunity to find out not just about that set but about other sets and that is really important but a couple of days that's probably all you need 
Um, if you can do more, great, but you might not have the time. Yeah, no, well, that's, uh, that's certainly true. Alexander Robson is a barrister at Littleton Chambers. One of the legal directories described Alex as a perfect barrister for all occasions, and we thought he would be the perfect barrister to talk to us about mini pupillages. Now this week we're exploring mini pupillages. Our listeners are very busy, some studying full-time and no doubt keen to get the best results that they're capable of and some will be studying and working. It might seem difficult to squeeze in mini pupillages as well. So do they really need to bother? The short answer is, is yes, and I think there's a sort of stick uh, reason and a carrot reason. The stick reason why they need to say yes is that if you're applying for pupillage and you've not done any mini-pupillages, your application most likely won't be given the time of day because the people who are reading, reading your form will, will make the assessment that you're not really interested in the career if you've not taken the trouble to at least spend a day, a, a day or a few days at finding out what it's about. So you need to do it for that negative reason, but there are a huge number of positive reasons why you should do it as well. And um, perhaps we'll go on to explore some of those. I think the main, the main reason, the main positive reason to do it is that it's, it's the single best way of understanding what practice at the bar is actually like. Well, absolutely, because there are things that people will have enjoyed when they're studying their law degree or their GDL. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean, does it, that that's going to make for a fulfilling practice. So, for example, you might really like trusts because... I don't know, you're really interested in the intellectual problems they throw up. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be suited to and enjoy a particular chancery practice. I think that's absolutely right. And I think it works the other way around as well, in that lots of people might enjoy studying family law um, at university or might enjoy criminal law uh, and like the idea of what a practice is going to be like in those areas. But they may find that the reality of it is, is, is too emotionally draining for them or that the realities of practice at the criminal bar is, is, is so difficult for them that it, it's just not practicable for them to practice in that. So absolutely right, it's the best way of testing the difference between what you study and how you actually go about practising it. So let's go back to basics. What is a mini-pupillage? A mini-pupillage is um, a chance for um, a student of law, normally, to spend a day or a few days within a barrister's chambers. And what will normally happen is that on each day, the mini-pupil, as they're called, will be allocated to a specific barrister and they'll follow that barrister around for the day. Now, that might involve a day sitting in chambers, reading the papers that the barrister is reading, or it might involve a day out at court, whereby you'll have a chat with the barrister beforehand, find out what the case is about, and then go and attend court with them uh, and have a chat afterwards as to what happened and why. You can have a huge range of experiences during your mini-pupillages, but the one thing you can be certain you'll um, leave with is having learnt something about practice at the bar. I'm sure some of our listeners will be familiar with the term assessed mini-pupillages. Do you know what an assessed mini-pupillage is? Good question. I think an assessed mini-pupillage is um, whereby chambers use the chance of having mini-pupils come in to spend some time in chambers in order to make an assessment as to whether or not they're the sort of mini-pupil that they'd want to have as a pupil. Um, so normally sets that run assessed mini-pupillages will run them in tandem with their pupillage application process. They'll be a bit more structured and often there'll be uh, a formal assessment towards the end of the uh, week or few days 
it might be a written assessment, it might be an oral assessment, it might be both. But as I say, the opportunity is there for the set to, to get to know the, the potential pupil in a bit more detail than you do in a 20 or 40 minute interview. So students should be aware that a mini pupillage is an opportunity for the student to assess the chambers, but it may also be an opportunity for the chambers to assess the student. Uh, absolutely right. And I'd, I'd put it a bit higher than that, probably. I think if you if you mess up your mini pupillage at a set, you, you're, you will find that the door is probably closed to your application for pupillage there. Well, what might you do to mess it up? That sounds really alarming. <laughs> it does sound alarming. I think you, your listeners can take comfort from the fact that to, to mess it up, you, you'd have to show such a lack of common sense that nobody who has the common sense to listen to this podcast would actually do that. But the way you go about messing it up is by um, making very bad judgment calls in certain situations that you might find yourself in. And, and lots of barristers, I'm sure you both do, have heard stories about mini pupils who, for example, during a, a sensitive conference where the bar- barrister is trying to deliver the client some, some difficult news, will interrupt the barrister as she or he is, is delivering that news and say, oh, haven't you forgotten about this point? Or what do you think about that point? And will uh, interrupt the balance of that um, communication between the barrister and his or her client. So is it fair to say that speaking during a conference in a mini pupillage is a no-no? I'd say that that is a, a, fair, a fair rule, unless you're, unless you're expressly asked to, to give a view on something, best to remain silent during a conference, yeah. Mm. What then can we tell our listeners about how to make a good impression? Yeah, well, um, I, I, it might be helpful for listeners to imagine it's a bit like your, your first day at school. So you need to make sure that you arrive punctually, and you need to make sure that you arrive at looking the part. So you need to be in business dress. If you have any questions about what to wear, you, you contact the chambers in advance. But generally, a suit or formal business dress is, is always appropriate. Um, and you approach the exercise recognising that the, the chambers is doing you a favour, really, by allowing you to be a mini pupil. And I think that's true whether it's an assessed mini pupillage or, or a normal mini pupillage. What you're doing is taking up time from a busy self employed practitioner and they'll be pleased to give you their time because they were in that position once a few years ago but you need to recognize that they are giving up that time uh, and therefore you need to be polite and you need to be courteous and respectful of the fact that at times they will just need to get their head down uh, and get on with whatever problem they're working on. So it's about using your judgment and taking your cue so to speak from what it is that you can see your barristers engaged with. So if they're stressed, maybe now is not the time to ask some questions about why they wanted to come to the bar. But equally, if it's if they've invited you to have a sandwich for lunch, then that would, would be a good opportunity. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. It's just it's about applying common sense um, and, uh, as you say, taking your cues from what the barrister is saying and doing. One piece of advice that I was given that I found to be true now that I have many pupils coming to court with me is that on the way to court, I'm normally thinking about the case that I'm about to present. On the way back from court, I'm much more relaxed and have much more time to give to that many pupil. So I would be... I would generally encourage many pupils to save their questions until the end of the day. They may well find that a lot of the questions that they wanted to ask have in fact been answered during the course of the hearing and what they've seen. Is, is that something that would accord with your own experience? Absolutely it would. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, on the way over to court, often you're being used as a, as a practice judge or jury as the mini pupil. And so if you just nod and listen and absorb what you're being told without pushing back, so much the better. I think it's quite hard for people sometimes, isn't it? Because certainly I'm aware when I have many pupils that they're they're keen to show that they're interested, they want to uh, 
show that they've show off their skills, show that they understand and are curious. And I, I, I agree with you, George, that I think sometimes you just have to say, do you know what? We'll talk about that in a minute. We'll talk about that after the hearing. Um, don't worry, I'll give you an opportunity to ask everything that you want to ask about. So we've talked about how to impress on a mini pupillage. How can you get a mini pupillage? What advice do you have for those applying for a mini pupillage? Are they competitive? They, they are very competitive normally, yeah. Um, the, the first thing you need to do is to look at the website of whatever chambers it is you, you're interested in doing a mini pupillage at, and that website will set out the process by which you make the application. And at the risk of stating the obvious, you've got to make sure you follow that process. It's no good sending in a speculative CV and letter if the website says uh, you fill in this specific application form. Not only will you not get the pupillage, but you'll mark yourself out as someone who's incapable of reading the website, which won't do yourself any favours. But beyond that very obvious point, you, you find out what the process is and you approach it as you would a pupillage application. So you spend as much time as you can writing your CV, writing your covering letter if that's what's required, or filling in the application form uh, and targeting your application to that specific set. Um, and then you, you put it in the post box or send it off by email and keep your fingers crossed. That's, that's the sort of standard way of applying for a, a mini pupillage. How many do you think our listeners ought to be trying to do? That's the, the million-dollar question, and I imagine there'll be um, three different views in this, um, in this discussion group. Uh, I think the, the, the one uncontroversial answer to that is at least three Yes. Um, and uh, where it gets more controversial is, is what the maximum is. Some people will say doing any more than four is a waste of time. Uh, others will say, and I fall into this category, that you should just do as many as you feel you need to. And you can choose whether or not you uh, write them all up on your pupillage application form. You don't have to say you've done 18 uh, if you don't want to. Um, but if, you're, if you've done five and you think, well, I've enjoyed them, but I really still don't know what area of law I want to do, or I really don't know whether I want to practice in Nottingham or Bristol, uh, I don't think there's any harm in doing another few to, to help you work out what the right answer to that question is for yourself. So I think that one of the themes of our podcast is the importance of conducting deep research into the chambers that you're going to be applying to. And really, there's no better way is there, than doing a mini pupillage. It's the best opportunity you're likely to have to be able to ask questions and find out. Absolutely right. Yeah, it's probably the only real opportunity you have to, to get a true sense for what life is like within a set of chambers. And... This isn't just true of barristers' chambers, it's true of any workplace, but the impression you can get from the, the public profile, from the beautifully curated website, um, can be very different from the reality as to what the environment is actually like. You can't really get a sense for whether a barrister's chambers is um, truly um, welcoming and warm and informal until you've actually sat in someone's room um, and seen how colleagues interact with each other. And I think that's one of the, the key values of it, yeah. So you've done your mini pupillage, you've loved every minute of it and you're certain that you want to apply to this chambers. What should you do next? One of the things you should do while you're on your mini pupillage is make sure that you write down um, 
every significant experience that you have during that time. It may be that you just write down you went to court and this was the sort of case that you you observed. Much better for you to write down a few points about what you saw and why you enjoyed it or what you learned from it. So the first thing you need to do once it's finished is make sure that your notes of the mini pupillage are uh, full. The reason that's important obviously is that when you're doing your pupillage application in three months or three years time you need to have a record as to what you've done to help yourself uh, in drafting that application. Another th important thing to do afterwards is to say thank you. Um, barristers will have given up their time to make your experience a positive one. Even if it wasn't a positive one, they will have given up some of their time. So uh, it's worth sending a note of thanks. That can be by email, or if you're old-fashioned, you can dust off your quill pen uh, and, <laughs> and put a postcard in the post to them. We've talked about one way in which you can get mini pupillages, which is to make an application through the website. Um, I have a, 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 I came across someone recently who had um, encountered a different way of getting mini pupillages. Uh, he was giving a talk to uh, an audience of about 300 um, aspiring barristers. And on the subject of mini pupillages, the advice that he gave was that any opportunity you have uh, to, to, to secure a mini pupillage or to ask for one, you should take it. So if you have any interactions with barristers, um, you should ask if they uh, are able to offer a mini pupillage. I don't necessarily agree with that advice, but that's what he said. And he finished his talk about 40 minutes later and asked if there were any questions. And one brave soul put up his hand and said, can I have a mini pupillage? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. We heard more about this from Richard O'Brien of 4 New Square. Richard O'Brien, welcome to the Pupillage Podcast. Uh, today we're talking about mini pupillages. You are a barrister at 4 New Square and you sometimes have mini pupillages come along to court with you. Do you have any advice for our listeners as to how they can impress on a mini pupillage? They can impress by not spending the time using the mini pupillage as a, as a kind of interview where they are proactively trying to tell me things about themselves but um, responding to the tasks that, that, that they are given in as constructive a way as possible. So a recent mini pupil that I had um, who was at a very early stage in his legal uh, career was nonetheless able to argue the ethical sides of a case that I gave him to read into and impress me in that way. Um, he didn't, as some mini pupils do, spend time saying, oh, I saw this case on a mini pupil on a different mini pupillage and I've read the judgment of Lord Hoffman in this case from 30 years ago because um, we've all seen people try and do that and we, we, we know what's impressive and what's not impressive and you, don't, you just need to respond to the, the tasks that you're given. I, mean, I think another thing to do is just to be professional so that we can see how you would be if you were a member of Chambers. Um, so that means obviously looking the part, becoming in a suit and tie or in um, you know, suitable clothes, but not, um, and not being too casual. But on the other hand, being relaxed um, because we would want to be able to imagine how you would be as a colleague, not overly formal but judging the right level I think those are important things I look for is there anything specific that you value or that you dislike when mini pupils are coming with you to court I've been lucky in the experience I've had with mini pupils but I would 
I think it's always about um, seeing that people have good judgment. So whatever situation they are faced with, if uh, I have a solicitor with me, I would want them to be polite, but I wouldn't want them to be overly friendly you know to try and make friends and try and impress me by with their social skills with the solicitor because frankly I would be a bit concerned not knowing the many people about what they would say I would want them to present well but it, it's difficult to lay down a sort of list of what they of do's and don'ts um, I would expect them to have good judgment so it's more more perhaps about um Understanding the situation that you're in and tailoring your behaviour accordingly if, if you're that many people. Exactly. I mean, I, I, I had a very helpful many people earlier on this year who we, we were in court and there was a question of the hearing. It was an interlocutory hearing. There was a question of the trial um, moving court. And that meant that our witnesses would have to travel. And she was fantastic because she got on her got on her phone and looked on the internet in order to see how far they how far they would have to travel in order to get to the new court, and was therefore able to provide me yeah. with that information. And it was yeah. her own initiative and delivered really unobtrusively. So I think that's perhaps an example of seeing where you can be helpful, but really not being too pushy about it. That's absolutely right. Uh, and it's a very difficult balance to strike, but it is a, it's a, always important to remember it's a difficult profession um, to get into, but that doesn't mean that we are not able to see that whether you have the right skills or not. But you, you can misjudge things. So, for instance, if, if your mini-pupil had spent three days doing research on all the cases and brought three lever arch files of cases for you um, uh, uh, or, or you know went out of their way to pour you a glass of water you might feel they're going too far and they they have to strike the right balance they're, they're there to do work experience in effect um, not to be too obtrusive but nonetheless it's an opportunity for them carefully and subtly to demonstrate themselves Richard O'Brien thank you very much for speaking to the Pupilage podcast Not at all we heard some more on this subject from Master Anne Hussey. People do worry that if they do not have mini pupillage experience in the specialist field, or, or that they've gone all over the shop, um, that that looks bad. I don't think it does, because I don't think that there is any problem with a young person thinking, I don't know much about this field. I want to go and see what it's like at the coalface. So if I see... On, because we are, as I, I mean, I do money, we are a specialist money set for divorce. So if I see somebody who has not just done mini pupillages, that doesn't concern me because it may well be somebody thinking about, well, what could I do? Do I see myself doing this type of work? So no magic number, and please don't worry if you've got a peppering of different mini pupillage experiences. We asked Elaine Banton of Seven Bedford Row for her tips on how to impress on a mini, and in particular, whether mini pupils should be seen and not heard, or asking questions. How many minis do you think students should do? I think it would be useful, if you can, to do about three. If you can do more, then that's great, but I think one or two is probably not enough. Three, I think, will give you a better idea. Resist the temptation just to do them all in one practice area 
try and spread yourself out a bit um, so that you can see different areas of law. You may be very, very clear that you want to be a Chancery practitioner, but I think it might be useful to see a bit of uh, a mix set or a bit of crime and just give yourself a bit more of a broader horizon. What, what tips have you got for our listeners for how to make the most of a mini pupillage? What sort of questions do you think that they should be asking? Do you think they should be asking questions at all? I think they should be asking questions. I think it's a great opportunity to ask about the particular thing that they're observing. So if they're in court and they're watching a case, as that unfolds, they should be asking about why certain things are being done that way or what happened at that hearing and why did it happen in that way. Or if they're in chambers and they're observing paperwork, um, they can ask about the case or ask to see some of the papers. I know when I've had many um, pupils with me, I've been happy to let them read um, particular papers so they can get a little bit more of an insight about what's going on. It might also be of interest to ask the barrister what it's like for a junior practitioner, so when they're just out of pupillage, and the sort of things they might be doing. Because when you're doing a mini-pupillage, you might be with someone quite senior, um, and so it won't give you an idea of what you'd be doing as a very, very junior barrister. So asking questions about what the junior end do might be useful and get a bit of an insight into the sorts of hearings that they do themselves and the sort of paperwork that they'd be handling at that very junior stage in their practice. Thank you for listening to the Pupillage Podcast with us, Beatrice Collier and Georgina Wolfe. Brought to you by Middle Temple. Production support and music by Alex Dopirala. Huge thanks to the wonderful team here at Middle Temple. James Rogerson for helping us with the logistics. Darren Latty for coffees and pastries. And Colin Davidson for his enthusiasm, encouragement and awe-inspiring little black book. We'd also like to thank all our clerks and our senior clerk, Mark Waller in particular, who have not disowned us for sneaking off down the road to Middle Temple for recording sessions. Please check out the show notes for more on our guests, links to sources of information and a glossary of terms used in each episode. If you have questions you would like answered in future episodes or want to give us some feedback, please email us at pupillagepodcast at gmail.com. And if you've enjoyed the episode, please rate, review and subscribe. It helps other people to find the podcast. Thank you.